0: I'm Catherine, and for over 20 years now, I've been living and working in France. During that time, I've been employed, self-employed, unemployed, and a stay-at-home mum. I've put three kids through the French education system, from start to finish, from preschool to uni, bought and sold numerous properties, and filled in more forms than I ever thought possible. I've experienced just about everything that life, and especially life in France, can throw at you, and I've survived it all. In 2009, I co-founded Survive France, which is now the go-to online resource for English speakers in France. And now, I'm here to share my years of experience, all of my tips and tricks and insider know-how with you. France Made Simple is sponsored by Fab French Insurance, who will make your life as simple as Frenchly possible. So in the last episode, we talked about the location and the region and the type of property that you might be looking for when looking to buy in France. And I got some great feedback. So thank you listeners for that. Uh, But one of the questions that came up again and again was but I still don't know exactly what type of property and I do understand this um, because it's much more difficult to choose a house in France because there is so much choice. In the UK Often we're limited by area in terms of work or schools or budget because certain areas will have fairly fixed price bands and you'll know that you can either afford a two-bedroom Victorian cottage or a three-bedroom Edwardian semi-detached or a large detached or whatever and you'll know where you can afford it and where you need to live. France is a much more diverse proposition because there is everything available from tiny little stone cottages to manoirs to medieval chateaus and depending on the region and depending on the location and depending on the state of the property the prices can vary enormously. So what you'll pay for a fisherman's cottage on the Ile du Ré may well get you a chateau in the Limousin. So it's much much harder to know exactly what you should be looking for. And especially difficult, I think, to decide whether you want something old or something new. So as this was a question that was asked repeatedly, we're going to start this episode with a little quiz. So grab a pen and paper. It's a very simple one. The answers are A, B and C. And at the end of the episode, I'll be giving you the results and you can then make, hopefully, make a more strategic and a clearer plan from your quiz answers. Okay, so here we go. First question. Do you enjoy DIY? A, not at all, I hate it. B, you're happy to do the jobs that really need doing, but you actually prefer doing other things. Or C, home improvements are something that give you a real buzz and you get huge satisfaction from completing a task. Question two. which of of the following statements best describes your attitude to financing the purchase a knowing exactly how much it will cost is very important to me b i have a budget but i'm prepared to spend more if necessary or c what's a budget number three when it comes to interiors a I want light, airy spaces that suit my lifestyle. B I agree with the above, but I prefer rooms with a bit of character and the odd quirk. C I love the creaks, cracks and crepe that come with old houses. 4 How do you plan to heat your home? A You want an energy efficient home that is cosy and cheap to run. B. You agree with the above, but you also like the idea of the warmth of an open fire. C You're happy to spend most of the winter stopping draughts and s- chopping firewood. 5. How will you spend most of your time in France? A you'll need to earn a living so you'll be too busy to do much else. B you'll be working but the plan is to have a lot more time for other activities too. C, the plan is to spend most of your time devoted to your home and garden, living the lifestyle you've always dreamed about. Six, will you be returning to the UK at all? A, fairly frequently to visit friends and family or for work. B, very occasionally, but unforeseen circumstances may mean you need to return. C. Hardly ever. The plan is to start a new life in France, after all. Next question. What's your ideal location? A. Close to amenities and neighbours. After all, having people around will help you to settle in. B ideally close to a good range of facilities but you don't want to be overlooked. Or C, completely isolated. One of the reasons you want to move to France is to get away from it all. And the last question, what is your ideal type of property? A, new rather than old, you're not sure you could manage the maintenance that an older property might bring. B, undecided, you like the character found in older properties but a new build might be more practical or c an old stone built farmhouse with plenty of space and land around it. Do play those again and think about them, note your answers down and at the end of this episode I'll be giving you the results. Okay so now let's start thinking about how you go about finding that property. Basically I would say there's two ways of finding a property in France. Either you find it, or you go through somebody else who will find it for you. But within that, there's a whole gamut of ways to go about the process. When my parents started looking at properties in France 50 years ago, pretty much the only way to buy a property was through a notaire. They didn't advertise the houses they had for sale. You would go find a notaire in the town or village where you wanted to buy make an appointment sit down have lots of chit chat and preamble um at that point english buyers were still very much a novelty and the notaires were quite charmed by the idea of les anglais wanting to buy in france and they would eventually produce a large book of uh, or a file really of uh, property details when i say details they were sketchy at most and um you would then discuss it at great lengths and then be taken to see some wildly unsuitable properties that were all in general states of disrepair now things have changed obviously we have the internet we have estate agents and it's much much easier but notaires are still a good source of properties and very often the properties that they have for sale are if not substantially cheaper than those available with agents, they do tend to be slightly cheaper. Um, and also, some older French people still don't like or trust estate agents. So they will either sell their properties privately or they will put them with the family notaire. And this often happens as well if it's a sale after a death and perhaps the children, the those who have inherited the property all live in different places uh, spread out over France so they will use the notaire that deals with the with the probate to sell the property as well. So it's definitely something that's worth exploring. Um, not always easy. Notaires have got a lot more teched up. They do have stuff online. It's much easier to get appointments and make appointments. But personal touch is still very, very important in France and nothing beats a knock on the door of a notaire and making an appointment and sitting down and seeing what they have. Some have more properties than others, but again, it's definitely worth a try. The next way is to start looking yourself and the majority of properties that are for sale online in France are listed through a website called Le Bon Coin. L-E-B-O-N-C-O-I-N. Le Boncoin is also really good for giving you benchmark prices for a particular area. Private sellers list on there, so do agencies. Obviously, if you go through a private seller, you will be saving the agency fees, which are fairly substantial in France. The other advantage of Le bon is that you can really get a feel by studying the types of properties available, the price spans, whatever, uh, in a given area and comparing. So you will know then that if something comes up that you like, if the price is reasonable or if it isn't. You can also put a wanted advert on Le bon some people say this works, I've never had much success with it to be honest, um, but you again I, I think it's always worth exploring pretty much every avenue. There are loads of other online websites in France that list properties for sale, some of them are better than others, but generally I would say Le bon Coin is the best one in terms of usability. There's good filters. You can filter by price, number of rooms, land size, area, flat, house, apartment, new, old, all that kind of stuff. And really refine your search. If you're going to look at other websites, don't search in English for property for sale in France because you will fall upon all of the Anglophone websites, the big boys, that sell straight to the Brits and they are way more expensive. You ne- need to um, look for Maison à vendre, uh, or even Maison à vendre moins cher. There are renovation websites in French. It may be difficult if your French isn't that brilliant, but once you've got your search string set up, you can easily use Google Translate to check all the property details out. The other thing that's good is popping into your local mairie in the villages or communes that you think you might like to buy in and just say, hello, You know, we're looking to buy a house in this area, don't suppose you know of anything. Because word of mouth is still how an awful lot of properties get bought and sold in France. In Especially in sought after areas or in rural areas, lots of stuff is sold before it ever comes onto the market. And obviously, if you're already renting in an area or have contacts or French neighbors, then you can you know ask around like that. But word of mouth is difficult when you're not already there and haven't got a foot on the ground. But the local the local Murray will have information on anything that is for sale or might be for sale or is likely to be for sale. So it's definitely worth getting them on your side and befri- befriending them and then picking their brains. So that leaves you with buying properties using the services of somebody else, which is basically estate agents. Now, all estate agents are not equal. Some are very good, some are worse than useless. And if you talk to people who've bought in France, their experiences vary widely. Some will extol the virtues of their agents who go above and beyond. That was certainly the case when my parents bought, although that was through a notaire, but his Clark who is also his sales assistant i remember ran round sorting out edf connections helping us buy second hand cookers all those kinds of things these days people tend to expect you to pay for that level of hand holding and service but if you need it and want it then that's not necessarily a bad thing others will maintain that estate agents are worse than useless certainly when i bought a, a flat a couple of years ago my experience of local French estate agents was fairly dire. Nobody got back to me, nobody nobody listened to my requirements, even though I was a cash buyer, knew exactly what I wanted and where I wanted it. They just couldn't really be bothered. And I guess this is, you know, a reflection of the fact that the property market where I am is very buoyant and anything useful and anything good and worth having flies out of the window. So they don't really need to make a lot of effort. and. Equally, because a lot of estate agents in France are in fairly secure positions and have been in their jobs for a while and are not commission hungry and driven into the way they are in the UK, the overall level of service is quite different. The overall level of information for the buyer is very different. Again, things are changing and France is catching up, but it's completely normal to be given a description of property and told that it has a a kitchen on the ground floor. Well, it may not tell you that the kitchen is actually 80 square metres and has several windows so it could easily be divided up into other rooms, etc, etc. If you're looking for the type of floor plans and detailed information that are now, that's now common in the UK and other Anglophone countries, you're very unlikely to find it. Some are beginning to do that, especially again the Anglophone estate agencies who will offer virtual tours and the like. But, again, you're going to pay a premium for that level of service, and if you want to buy and get value for money and go through a local French estate agent, you need to be aware of how they work. Most of the adverts put out by agents, whether they're in the shop window or on Le Bonquam, which is where an awful lot of agents do advertise, are going to have fairly minimal details. Again, this has got better in recent years and some agents are better than others, but there's a whole load of stuff that you need to ask before you even think about going to see a property, so that you don't waste your time and the agent's time. And time-wasting clients are likely to piss off estate agents too, and you are unlikely to get first pick of the property of your dreams if you've previously been fussy and rejected a load of properties simply because you hadn't made your wishes clear. So I do think it's really important to think about exactly what you need to know. And to do that, you need to ask a lot of questions and asking questions in a foreign language is quite tricky. Even if your French is fairly good, it's all too easy to forget what you need to ask. So I do really, really recommend that before you phone or pop into an estate agency, that you prepare a list of questions, translate them if necessary. And even if the agent doesn't know the answers, don't be satisfied with a, oh, I'm not sure, Their job is to go away and find out and give you that information before you go any further and think about viewing a property. So what kind of things should you ask? Well, I would say you need to check the aspect of the property. Where does it face? South? South-east? West? Same with the garden. Where's the garden? What's the aspect? Is it attached to the plot? Is the house in the middle of the garden? Lots of older French village houses have gardens that are not attached to the house. And this may not be a problem. I know lots of people that have bought houses, townhouses and villages, and are very happy to cross the road and go to their little plot of garden or their vegetable plot. But if you want to be able to walk out of your back door into a garden, then that may not be suitable. You need to ask about access. Is it easy? Is it, you know, is there parking? Is there off-road parking? Is it easy to get bigger vehicles into the drive, if that's something that you're going to need to think about going forward? You need to check out rights of way. Are there any rights of way across the property? Um, Room sizes, you know, it's just saying that the the property has three rooms doesn't really give you much idea of whether they are three enormous rooms or two enormous rooms and one tiny room. So ask the question. Ask about neighbours. Are the close neighbours there full-time, part-time? Is it a sort of holiday home enclave? And then you need to also try and find out a bit more about the overall condition of the property. What's the roof like? What kind of structural condition is the property in? Is it going to need rewiring, replumbing, new central heating? If it has a pool... When was the pool installed? Is the pool still under guarantee? Um, you do need to, to push the agents on this because the general description of properties in France tends to fall into rénover, to be renovated, which means everything normally, or to be refreshed, which can mean anything from it needs a lick of paint to you've got to do everything inside the property, you know, even down to double glazing. That can cut. I've seen that, you know, to me, double glazing is part of a renovation, but some estate agents will put that and rewiring and replumbing in the. Needs to be updated, kind of category, and again, none of this is a deal breaker necessarily, but you do need to be aware of it so that you can negotiate on the price if necessary and factor that into your budget. Are you going to be able to afford afford to completely replumb the property? Yeah, you know, work has got very very expensive now, so forewarned is forearmed is what I would say on that one. Um, so do prepare your questions and probe. Ask anything and everything that you think might affect your decision on whether or not to proceed with the property. And if you do that, you're less likely to be shown unsuitable properties and you're less likely to waste both your time and the agent's time. Now, let's talk about getting along with your agent because. People generally have, as I said at the start, either very good or very bad experiences with agents. And as I also said, not all agents equal. So I would suggest you find one who you feel you can work with, who seems on the ball, plotted and focused and able to listen to you. And don't waste too much time trying to view properties with agents that are not giving you that, because you you won't get anywhere and the process will become frustrating and disheartening Now I also think relationships between potential buyers and agents tend to get a bit fraught if the buyer keeps rejecting what they feel are clearly unsuitable properties and the agent feels that the buyer hasn't actually explained exactly what they want. So after you've seen the very first property, if it's not suitable, explain to your agent why. Give them some feedback, even if it's negative, and try and be quite specific with that feedback. So don't say, Oh, it would have been perfect if it had had more land. Say to them, right, well, if it had had another 5,000 square metres or another 2 hectares, it would have been perfect because we're absolutely, absolutely determined to have a vegetable garden or we want to start a llama breeding farm. That way the agent will understand that 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 amount of land is a non-negotiable element for you and they won't waste your time and theirs showing you smaller properties or properties with less land that they think you might like because you liked the first one but there was a but. Again with price you can say to them look that property would have been absolutely perfect but it needed to be 20,000 euros less. We could extend our budget by €20,000 if we saw a property like that, but it had the land we require. You know, the more information you can give them, the more likely you are to succeed in your search. And tell tell them what's absolutely essential on your list, whether it's access to a motorway or a train station, or the land size, or not having to redo the roof, and tell them what you can be flexible about yes, we'd like three bedrooms, but we could manage with two, or we could go as up to four, you know, give them some idea of what would be the deal breakers and what would be the elements that you could live with if everything else about that property was perfect. Also, don't try and cram too many viewings into one day. Uh, I think trying to organize viewings with multiple agents on the same day or the same couple of days is where a lot of people get unstuck and all you do is piss the agents off because invariably people turn up slightly late for viewings, hot and bothered, having hair through the countryside. It also means that you're rushing from viewing to viewing and you don't have that time to actually talk to the agent and explain exactly what you want and what you don't want. If you're in a, on, a, on a tight schedule and rushing like that, it will also mean that should you see a property with an agent and you say, okay, that one was great, but, and explain exactly what you do want, they might say, ah, in that case, I have another property that's 15 kilometers down the road. Shall I see if we can go and see that now? So do build yourself some wiggle time into your daily schedule. I know it's tempting to try and pack everything in, especially on if you're on a, a tight uh, time scale, um, but it's better to take your time and use that travelling time when you're in the car. It can be frustrating when you're thinking, oh, well, you know, we've got another 45 kilometres to go. And But it's a good way to find out more about the local area. Driving around is what gives you a feel for a place. And you'll also learn about how the roads actually work as, a, as opposed to how they look on maps. And, for example, my house is only 12 kilometres from one small town and 10 kilometres from another small town but I always go to the town that's 10 kilometres away because the road there is a straight line so I can get there in eight minutes. The other town takes me about 20 to 25 minutes because it's a very scenic windy wiggly road that goes up and down hills so that means that A lot of properties that were closer to that town, I just immediately discounted because I knew that I wouldn't be able to get to where I wanted to get to without spending more time in the car. I also suggest that buyers make a checklist and this checklist has two purposes. First of all, you can hand it to the agent when you're looking for property, when you first walk into their office or phone them or email it to them. And say right these are our essentials and these are our preferences and you can then take copies of that checklist with you when you go and view properties and as you go round, cross off all the points that it doesn't does or doesn't have because it is very very difficult at the end of the day viewing multiple properties to remember exactly what was there take loads of photos as well obviously. Take, but take your pen or paper and your checklist, multiple copies or, and then you can always assemble all the information into a spreadsheet, should you so wish, um, beyond my capabilities, that kind of thing. I'm very much a pen and paper type of person, but make a checklist and give that to your agent and say, right, these are our essentials and these ones are negotiables. So in the essential points section, for example, it might say stone-built old property, major works, roof, etc. in good condition, one hectare of land, pool already installed or space to install a pool, budget, you could specify the maximum amount, property size, 150 square metres minimum. Those are all elements that you don't want to compromise on. Okay, Then you can add your preferences in. These could include things like no close neighbours, amenities within 10 minutes drive, woodland rather than grazing land, outbuildings. And then you can even have a third section, which is the parts you are flexible about. So the number of rooms, the interior condition of the property, proximity to transport. Now, obviously you don't need to keep the items that I mentioned in the essentials category in there. Maybe they're not essentials. Maybe you're flexible about that. Maybe they're preferences. So using that as a guide, create your own list and then tick off as you go round, okay, this property has got outbuildings, it's no close neighbors, but it's only 100 square meters. And that will give you a kind of comparison tool to sit down and make some decisions towards the end of the day or at least decide which properties you're definitely not interested in and which properties might be worth a second viewing. So I hope that's been helpful. I hope that's given you some thoughts about how to go about finding a particular property in a particular area and finding a property that will suit you. It's not a precise science. There's also the uh heart over head element where sometimes you just walk in somewhere and it's exactly not what you've been looking for, but somehow it feels right. And in that case, I think go with your gut instinct. If it feels like home, it probably will be home. We'll be coming back to the final, more technical aspects of the buying process in a later episode. And I'll be talking you through the entire process from signing the initial, the first contract, which is known as the compromis de vente, right up to the final act devant, which is when the property is yours and you get the keys, and talking about all the, the stages along the way, the diagnostics, which is uh, the equivalent of a sort of homeowner's report, why the French do, don't do surveys, and all the boring questions you need to ask about constructions in the local area. I was going to say shitty questions, but then I was going to follow that by shitty questions, such as things like septic tanks and mains drainage and internet access. But yes, we'll be getting back to that in more detail, but that's it for today, other than giving you the results of the quiz, which hopefully you've all been waiting for with bated breath. So if you answered mainly A, you are approaching buying French property from a practical point of view, you're aware of your limitations when it comes to taking on a renovation project, so a new build would probably suit you best. If you got mainly bees, you have thought about the practicalities of new versus old, but you yearn for the character found in older buildings. So you could consider a new build which incorporates plenty of traditional features. If you have got mainly C's, you're definitely prepared to sacrifice practicality for the charm of an older home, and this style of property ticks all the boxes on your wish list. An older property would suit you down to the ground. I hope that's been helpful, and if you have any questions, don't hesitate to get in touch. I love hearing from you. If you've enjoyed this episode, and I really hope you have, then please do spread the word. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your colleagues, tell your neighbours, tell anyone you think might be interested, and please do follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It helps others to find us and we really appreciate it. France Made Simple is sponsored by Fab French Insurance, who will make your life as simple as Frenchly possible.